Hello and welcome to The Price of Football, the show that looks at the money behind the beautiful game with me, Kevin Day, and Liverpool University's Kieran McGuire. Kieran, how are you? I, I'm I'm good, Kevin, although Finley is slightly oh. traumatised at oh. present oh. Uh, because we went out this morning uh, for, for our, uh, our early morning walk and uh, we, we came across a pheasant oh. and he... He, he was looking at he was looking at the pheasant and he was looking at me and then because he's a setter he decided to go on three legs and point at it and that and that didn't get him very far and I'm going well you know you're, you're supposed to be a you're supposed to be a working dog and, and, and then he sort of started cowering behind behind my my ankles so I thought what have done here I've got the world's most cowardly gun dog oh my lord Uncle Terry would be so ashamed of it well at least he, at least he pointed at it he recognised it was a pheasant. Yes. Yeah. Um, Kieran, I have to say, in the uh, spirit of full disclosure, I am uh, slightly hungover today. Splendid. Uh, uh, yes. Uh, some friends came around for an impromptu wake last night, uh, and I knew that I must have had a lot to drink because I counted 12 post-it notes on various walls that said, record pod. <laughs> <laughs> Down the stairs and round is literally a trail of post-it note crumbs, the record pod. <laughs> so if I drift off at any stage, you'll understand why. But uh, <laughs> Finley, see, the trouble is you've spoiled Finley with the wonky jobs. Um, <laughs> and yet again, uh, the BAFTA people have gone, turned off. Supposed to be about football finance. <laughs> We've had a cowardly gun dog and a hungover host. Uh, so let's. It's questions day. It is questions day, Kieran. Is it? Is it? I don't know. I believe so. Yes. Okay. And we do have. We've got some great questions today, and also one of the most illogical questions we've ever had, which fits in with our pod <laughs> yes. perfectly. So, which is why I'm really happy to read it out. Uh, our first question comes from Michael Sicari. Uh, Michael says, given the recent Super League drama and how there always seem to be folks out there talking about the old firm joining the EPL, the English Premier League, I started to wonder, why don't some of the smaller leagues in Europe merge to create a mini Super League, specifically countries like Portugal, the Netherlands, Scotland, for example, which have strong fan bases, relatively wealthy populations and historic clubs. Uh, They all seem like they would benefit from a consolidation. Now, it's kind of happened already, Kieran, with the Netherlands. But this is the you know the the Atlantic League comes up twice a year really suggestions about the smaller countries so called uh, joining a different league doesn't it? Y- yes, it does. And the most recent iteration of this was uh, I think this was being financed by a uh, an Irish billionaire. It was for uh, the uh, I, th- I think it involved Scotland, Sweden, Denmark, Norway, and the Republic of Ireland to form some form of competition and and it hasn't been rejected out of hand um and we've also got as you, as you rightly mentioned the the so-called benny league because as soon as you say that i immediately think of crossroads um, <laughs> and, and and tales of miss diane and, and sort of mike, mike yarwood impersonations so so once again we, we're locked in the 70s um but the 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 danger i, I think from this scenario is that if if we do take the the Belgium and Netherlands combined league, which I think is the one which is furthest down the road, um, at present Belgium and Netherlands 
have 10 clubs who get entries into UEFA competitions. And that that can be really lucrative. If, if you take a look at Ajax's accounts for uh, 2019, for example, 40% of Ajax's revenue came from participation in the Champions League. So under I think under UEFA rules, no one country can have more than seven participants. So if, if you know, all of a sudden we, we're going from 10 to seven uh, in Belgium and the Netherlands, and then you've got Sweden, Denmark, Norway, Republic of Ireland and Scotland, if they are restricted to seven between them, some of those clubs who are not necessarily going to win things, but who, who sneak into the Conference League or the Europa League, or whatever it's going to be, they'll think, well, actually, financially, we're going to be worse off. So th- th- there is a lot to be said for these leagues. I think it would attract some interest. We don't know how much. Um, and you know, especially towards the end of the season, you, know, you, you could get some pretty spectacular matches. Whether that will turn into significant numbers in terms of viewing figures, we don't know. But there's, there's, there's no huge downside of it. Uh, if, if clubs want to perhaps initially start it off as a cup competition and then see if there's interest to perhaps move it on to, to something which is more of a league basis. I suppose from a broadcaster's perspective, though, the, the, the trouble is that if you had countries like Scotland, Portugal uh, merging, they're still going to be dominated by two, four, six teams, aren't they? You're still going to have Celtic Rangers, Benfica, Sporting Lisbon pretty much dominating the whole thing. So the smaller teams in those countries probably wouldn't benefit that much from broadcasting anyway, would they? Yeah, I think I think you're uh, you're absolutely right there. But if if the if the overall value of the broadcasting pot increases, then those clubs could benefit financially. Um, you know what what we have in Scottish football, and I think we we, have, we discussed this on, on more than one occasion, is that we've got a duopoly. We've got something similar, perhaps in the Netherlands. Something you know, there's two or three clubs in uh, in Portugal, and. One of the one of the good things about the Premier League is it is it's not particularly democratic, but it is more democratic in terms of the distribution of trophies than you see in in the other big leagues. You know, uh, Bayern have got a monopoly in Germany. You know, PSG win something every year in France. Uh, you, you know that Barcelona and Real Madrid are going to be in the top two or th- or top three. Uh, nearly nearly every season uh, until the uh, until the league decided to to curtail Barcelona's wage budget. Um, so um, you know they, they, it could be more interesting for a broadcaster because you you're going to have more big matches. Mm. Uh, for those of our younger listeners who can't be asked to Google Crossroads, it was a five nights a week soap opera set in Birmingham in a motel, which was spectacularly bad. And also baffling because it was the only motel in the country. There were no motels in in, in Britain. Simply, not, we're not a motel culture. <laughs> no. But for some reason, there was a motel in Birmingham that attracted all sorts of drama and seemed to burn down on a semi-annual basis. <laughs> uh, but as a as a nine year old, Miss Diane, oh my god. I, I uh, suspect Michael Terry was uh, involved in the insurance claims uh, at, at, at Crossroads. Yeah, it was the first programme I ever saw in colour, bizarrely. Uh, I remember my mum being so excited to realise what the, the wallpaper was pink in, <laughs> in, the, in the office's drawing room where most of it was set. Uh, again, the BAFTA people have gone. Any BAFTA person under the age of 60, out. 
question from Josh Jehan. Uh, Josh says, I hope that's how you uh, pronounce your surname, Josh. Uh, Josh Jehan says, do clubs get rewarded with prize money from the FA for getting promotion or winning the league in non-league football? No, they don't get any prize money from the FA because the, the FA's remit is is the England uh, national team, but also cup competitions. So the, the winners of the FA Challenge Cup get £1.8 million. The, uh, the winners of the FA Trophy get £60,000 and the FA Vars 30 When you go into the National League, um, whilst it does have sponsors, um, there doesn't appear to be any definitive prize money for winning it. I think there is there is money distributed between the clubs, but that seems to be on a fairly equitable basis. So, um, you know, the, the benefits of promotion in non-league football is that you, you are going up a tier, um, you're able to attract bigger sponsors, you're able potentially to get larger crowds, um, and that's how you would see an increase in income. It doesn't seem to be anything specific from what I've seen in terms of prize money. Is that all you get for the FA Trophy, £60,000? Yeah, that, that's not too bad because you only get two hundred grand for winning the League Cup. Oh, you know, the, so, uh, yeah, it could, could be worse. Yeah, and I suppose for the level of team that are competing in the FA Trophy, that would be quite a lot of money. Yeah. Um, Jeff Sullivan says, uh, hello, Jeff, is there any chance that ESPN will expand their coverage of the EFL? One to two games a weekend, limited to a few top teams. Seems like a missed opportunity. I would love to follow a lower tier team and try to follow them to promotion glory. What would keep them from sharing all games? And Jeff, I think both of us would say, what would keep you from following a lower tier team that's not on TV? Um, uh, one that doesn't necessarily get promotion glory because that's, there's a, maybe a lot of listeners going, dear, 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 dear. Really, you want to follow a lower tier team and follow them to glory? That's not how it works. <laughs> pick, yes. Pick, um, yeah, pick, I'll tell you what, Jeff, pick a terrible one and follow them all the way through to relegation. And Well, I think I think to be fair to the EFL, they, they do effectively have uh, season passes for quite a few clubs. Uh, to to allow fans who are, who are based overseas to watch them at, um, under the iFollow scheme, um, from from ESPN's point of view, the, the problem is is that football or soccer, as they prefer to miscall it, um, it it generates okay viewing figures, but not great from the uh, from the choices they already have. So the, the Premier League, uh, the, the average viewing figures for the Premier League. 457,000. Yeah, America's a big country. Um, for the MLS, it's 384. The, the most popular uh, TV uh, of football, of TV viewing figures, or the highest TV viewing figures, uh, are for Liga MX because Mexican football, because uh, yeah, America's got a, a very big Hispanic population, that, that tends to be most pretty popular. So yeah, once, once you have those, and then you throw in La Liga and you throw in a bit of the Bundesliga as well, there's not many hours left for for them to fill to fill the the, the airwaves, and what would be the viewing figures if, if the Premier League can only get half a million people? What's Middlesbrough versus Luton <coughs> going to get? Yeah, uh, you know, because we 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 don't tend to watch, for example. Yeah, there, there's 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 decent decent ish viewing figures by by UK standards when we watch the NFL, but if you if you look at American college football. Which which does get decent you know, decent figures in the US, 
nobody would tune into it over here. Uh, if, if we look at basketball, the NHL, we, we, you might watch it. You know, I, 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 I used to remember watching Grandstand growing up, and you'd sometimes watch you know the highlights. But that was you know from the from the Stanley Cup or something. But that was about as far as it went, and, and there was never there was never enough critical mass to warrant the the broadcasters investing any further in, in what what we consider to be minority sports over here, and what in the US they consider to be a minority sport in the form of football. <clears throat> Do you know, Kim, we, we had a review recently of this pod, a very nice review, and it mentioned the insight that people got into football. And I think that uh, America is a big country, is a perfect example of the sort of insight we bring to our listeners. Well, kids, yeah. cut, nine and a half thousand pounds a year for higher education. You're getting your money's <laughs> worth, aren't you? <laughs> there are people as well who say there was a reference to football being called soccer in about 1889 in this country. So there are Americans who, who say that soccer is actually the right the right phrase for it. Uh, they're wrong, of course. Uh, it's meant to be, uh, uh, what's the word? I, I, if I didn't have a hangover, I'd know what the word is for a, a shortened version of another word. Uh, association. That's it, yeah. Bre- yeah, abbreviation. Thank you, Kieran. Uh, yeah, because association football, apparently, they say the sock comes from the, the sock in association football. Yeah, there you go. Uh, I wonder how many listeners we lost in that last little exchange. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Jacob Frick has a question, um, talking of US people. Jacob says, the football team at my college in the US, Marquette University, just had its most successful season in some years. Well done. Several of the players on the team are from European countries and began their careers in the academies of clubs in Germany, Sweden, Italy and England. What level of salary could an academy graduate make on their first contract, assuming they continue to be a developmental player? For comparison, the tuition for Marquette, a private university, is about $44,000 a year. Would more players be better off financially seeking a scholarship? It's an interesting one, this Kieran, because in the sort of late 80s, early 90s, it was quite the thing for players here who didn't make it at any significant level to go to the States and work as a coach or you know play football for an American college. Yes, yes, uh, it, it, and I think I think there's there's still a trickle uh, that that do take that particular route. Um, in terms of the the expectations of a first year scholar, if if you are a if you're an academy scholar in League One or League Two, you are you're not going to be on significant money. I, I sort of I did some ferreting around. Um, and they s- seem to indicate that the money would be you know, similar to what you'd get as a, an apprentice electrician or, or carpenter or, or somebody who's sort of learning a trade. So you, you might get you know six or seven grand uh, a year. Um, e- even at Liverpool, um, because I think they have been concerned that some uh, s- some academy players uh, at other clubs. Uh, I'm, I'm not saying Liverpool are amongst these. Um, were were somewhat blinded by the by the large sums of money they were earning. They they had a cap of forty thousand pounds a year uh, for for academy players, and, and yeah, at the age of sixteen or seventeen, forty grand a year. When when you know, if, if especially yeah. if you're local, the chances are you're living with your mum and dad. Yeah, that is that is pretty impressive. Um, but the 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 opportunities for for somebody to go across uh, and earn some money are not not so bad, um, but it, it, I think they would have to be scholarship based because there's no way you're going to be paying your own tuition fees 
uh, at that level. It, it does. I mean, I've, I've just said nine and a half grand a year is, I, I think, is is wrong uh, in this country. Uh, I'm, I'm a believer in free education because it, it's an investment in in your future and but and the country benefits as, as well because if you go on to earn more money, then then you get taxed on the back of that, and, and it, yeah, it's a win win deal. But um, that's 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 my lefty soapbox apparently uh, rant for the morning. Um, so yeah, four to four to seven grand for a, a League One or League Two scholar. Uh, seems to be about the the, the going rate. Um, you, you can see why people might be tempted to go to the US and and, and seek alternatives. <clears throat> I'm, I'm about I'm debating whether to join you on the lefty soapbox, Kieran. But it, yeah, the more education anybody gets, the better it must be for the society they live in. Uh, I can only assume education, just in general, should be a good thing, Kieran, and it should be yes. free and available to everybody, shouldn't it? Um, that sounds like quite a radical thing to say when you say it out loud, but it's nonsense. Of course it should be. Um, uh, and talking of education, I apologise to Yanushio uh, Philippe. I'm trying to launch into that. I, it's, uh, I hope that's how you pronounce it, Yanushio. If I'm wrong, please tell me. Yanushio Philippe says, an interesting question. Uh, slightly left field can English football clubs receive donations from their fans I don't mean donations for club fundraisers I'm referring to giving £5 to your club and then they can use it for anything they want like wages transfers buying water etc it was the the third part of that that threw me a little bit when I Mm. first saw it the wages and transfers bit I got but then the Buying water bit, so, but yeah, could could what could I donate five pound to Palace so they can buy some more water? Yeah, yes, you can, uh, oh, as, as as can anybody. Um, I, I I've got the accounts of some, even some famous clubs, yeah, like like Manchester United, going back years and years and years when they used to receive donations from supporters' clubs, and indeed, if if you look at the accounts of a few clubs, that that is still something which we see on on a collective basis. So that's really? that's no. not the club doing the fundraising; that's the fans themselves. Um, and if if you think about what happened uh, last year during lockdown, we we had this this amazing. Uh, desire to, for, for the game to survive from fans who were entitled to refunds on season tickets and some even knew that the season was highly likely to not take place and they said no 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 I want I want to be able to support you know, Tranmere Rovers or Accrington or Morecambe or Motherwell or wherever the club is going to be in in a few years time and therefore I'm going to effectively donate my my season ticket money to the club um because yeah, you know, I'm in a I'm in a financial position where I can like I can do so, um, and uh, you know the, the club plays such a central part to my life. So so yes, that their, their their individual donations can be received. I think it's it's the, the easiest way to do that is, is probably to get something in return. Just just go along to you know buy buy a bit more merchandise, and and the club's receiving money. Yeah, we're recording this on uh, Saturday morning, and I quite like the idea that this afternoon when I'm donating five pound several times for a pint of lager flavored drink uh, that, that Steve Parrish goes, Oh, brilliant. I'll buy some water with that money. Yes. <laughs> um, Jake Pitt has asked us a question, <laughs> which is great. It's, it's perfect. It makes no sense whatsoever. It comes out of nowhere. It's totally illogical. So it's perfectly fitting for this podcast. <laughs> it's almost the most appropriate question this podcast has ever asked. Uh, 
there's Jake Pitt says earlier this year, Jordan Belfort, uh, actor of Wolf of Wall Street fame, tweeted whole city and then a kind of inquiring emoji, uh, seeming to imply that he might be interested in buying the club. Given we've all seen Wolf of Wall Street, <laughs> my question is, would he have a hope in hell of passing the owner of director's test? Would financial crimes committed abroad or general debauchery preclude someone from buying a Well, I mean, Jake, off the top of my head, if fictional characters were allowed to buy football clubs, I, I suspect there may be some kind of questions. I, I don't know if... if if Lord Voldemort wanted to buy Brighton, I think questions might be asked. I don't know if Scrooge wanted to buy Palace. I, I don't know, but <laughs> I think we should answer the question, Kieran, in the spirit in which it was asked. Well, well, first of all, um, Jordan Belfort is a real person. Oh, is he? I know he is. Yes. He's an actor, isn't he? No, no, no. It's it's it, he is he is the Wolf of Wall Street. Ah, well, that entirely negates my whole premise then. So it's it's actually a quite logical question. Um, well, it, we get... it, 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 oh, it is. Yeah. It is. It is and it isn't. Um, I mean, I think the it says would financial crimes committed abroad uh, preclude somebody from buying a football club? No, it wouldn't, provided you are um, provided your convictions are spent, i.e., you have served your uh, period in uh, in the clink. Um, and Jordan Belfort uh, was subject to a four-year sentence at the at the end of the, the last century for um, what I've what I've just been reading this morning as a pump and dump scam. Um, yeah, where investors lost two hundred million pounds or two hundred million dollars, um, uh, and he then he then sort of claimed to be a semi-reformed character um, and became a uh, became a public speaker uh, and a mentor. Uh, um, and then, if you if you continue following his life, um, he's subsequently been accused of some form of training scam. I.e., you know, I don't, whether he's he's giving courses on on how to beat the market, uh, and there's this has taken place in Australia. But the rules in respect of owners and directors tests are are as follows: if you are a criminal who has a present conviction. Even if you're out on parole or something like that, um, not not parole. If you, if you're if you've been released but you're you're still subject to, to monitoring, then you wouldn't be available. Wouldn't be allowed to to buy a football club. Um, if uh, if if the crimes committed are in certain areas, so such as to do with uh, sexually related crimes. I think that that could be more difficult, if not impossible. Uh, but in terms of general debauchery, um, I, I I give you West Ham because uh, where yeah. did where did their owners uh, earn their money from? Um, and, and and this isn't a criticism because you know, as I've freely admitted, I, I used to work in that industry myself. Um, but uh, you know, David Gold and David Sullivan both have made their you know, part of their fortune through the um, adult entertainment industry. Um, which does involve debauchery. Yeah, does it? I, I would probably argue it's quite a long way from sex toys to debauchery, but I don't know where the line lies. Uh, 
I did not know. Do you know what? I'm going to blame my lack of basic research on the hangover, but even if I'd been completely sober, I still wouldn't have done any research and would have thought that the Wolf of Wall Street was a... So I, it was based on a real person. Who knew that? I didn't know that was a thing in films. They're actually making films based on real people now. Yeah, it was... It was. Uh, he wrote the book. And well, he, oh my goodness. Uh, and he did say that the, that the royalties of the book uh, were going to be given to the people who had lost money through his his investment scams. But uh, that doesn't necessarily seem to have been the case. Um, yeah, there's, a bit, there's, there's a bit of a question mark over that. I'll say no more. Well, also, I just I hope I'll never meet the real Lord Voldemort then. I had no idea that was <laughs> cry. I thought it was all made up. Well, crikey. <laughs> David Heron has a question. How do the finances of South American club football compare to Europe and in particular England? We all know championship clubs lose millions as they risk almost everything to get into the Premier League. I imagine most football fans are aware of the bigger teams in Argentina and Brazil, so that might be a good place to start. Uh, yeah, as, as far as uh, Brazil is concerned, a, a Serie A club in, in their top division is earning around about £50 million a year. So yeah, that's that's going to be at the you know, a, a club uh, towards the top end of the championship. Uh, you know, Leeds were around about making that money. It's, it's about the same about that same amount of money that that Rangers or Celtic would be receiving. So, so that sort of benchmarks the the Brazilian league, um, and it's it's three times bigger than uh, clubs in Argentina, um, and you know, they're on around about fifteen million pounds a year. So, yeah, l- lower end of the championship. Uh, it's, it's actually the same as, as clubs in Saudi Arabia earn, which which surprised me, but uh, because I didn't know that that uh, football was as big in in Saudi as that. Um, and then the third biggest league in in South America, and I'm, I'm I'm excluding Mexico here because even on my, my my basic geography tells me that Mexico is deemed to be Central America rather than South. Um, would be Colombia, and there uh, we're talking around about seven million pounds a year. Which is the equivalent of a of a you know, half decent League One club. So so you know they are considerably smaller than than the Premier League. But you know compared to you know we, we were talking about you know Belgium and the Netherlands, um, they're they're still probably bigger than than quite a few clubs in those leagues in Portugal and so on. This episode of The Price of Football is brought to you by the AI-powered workspace Notion. What if you had access to tomorrow's tools today? In Notion, you do. It's the AI-powered workspace where any team can turn ideas into action. My career is sort of a bit like being a butterfly, and I'm always jumping from project to project. So therefore, Notion helps me from summarising meetings notes and automatically generating action items to getting answers to any question in seconds. If you can think it, you can make it. A notion is for everyone, whether you're a Fortune 500 company or a freelance football finance lecturer. You can try Notion for free when you go to notion.com slash price of football. That's all lowercase letters, notion.com slash price of football and start turning ideas into action. That's notion.com slash price of football. Hi, I'm Steve Lamack, and every week I'm joined by Music Allies Head of Insights, Stuart Dredge, on The Price of Music, the weekly podcast all about the money behind the music industry. 
In each episode, we discuss the very latest goings-on in the music business and dig into the finances behind the big stories. So whether you're a music lover who just wants to know more about what really goes on in the industry, or you're an aspiring musician, manager or label owner who wants some inside knowledge on how Spotify's financial model really works, or what the future holds for independent live music venues, this is a show for you. Subscribe to The Price of Music in your podcast app now. See you soon. From South America to somewhere slightly less exotic, unless you live there, in which case I apologise, Richard Proctor has a question concerning uh, Ipswich Town, who are now primarily owned by an investment fund. The club was purchased for a reported £40 million, and currently being in League One, it will probably cost them at least that again to even get into the top half of the Championship. Add to this the losses the club made over the period of Marcus Evans' ownership, uh, I can't work out how this is a logical investment for a fund that ultimately leads to make a return. It's an interesting question. We spoke to the new owners of Ipswich Town who were very bullish about making money from the club. Yes. Yeah, I, I think Richard's got a got a fair point here. As you rightly said, you know, Brett Johnson kindly came on the show shortly after he bought the club and he was... He's very enthusiastic uh, and and has ambitions for, for, for Ipswich Town. They... They were losing around about fifteen million pounds a year on on a regular basis in the championship, and they were in the championship for, for a, a long period of time. Marcus Evans plugged all of those gaps, which which weren't made by player sales, and and player sales helped to cover for some of them. But uh, yeah, I think R- Richard's correct. Yeah, you know, get getting into the Premier League is tricky. Um, and that's the only way that the uh, you know, Brett Johnson and the, the club is also partially owned by an American pension fund. It's the only way they're going to make the money, get to the Premier League, and then you flip the club, that you, you, you sell it on to somebody else. Um, and if you do sell it on the club that's just been promoted to the Premier League, you're, you're probably looking at somewhere in the region of 150 million. So it's it's yeah if if, if i was yeah you know, as, as you know i don't, I don't gamble but i i do look at probabilities and mm. what what's the probability of ipswich town getting to the premier league in let's say the next 5 years uh, i probably nil. Call it less less yeah less than 10% nil. uh nil yeah, let's let's be bold, Kieran. Let's say nil. They're, 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 they don't seem likely to be in the Premier League in five. When you manage a pension fund, Kieran, and of course you're responsible, therefore, for the futures of hundreds of thousands, millions of people, maybe. What's is there a legal uh, criteria about the things you can invest in? Because you obviously you have to get a return for your money, surely, don't you? It's not just uh, an individual taking a punt thinking I might get a couple of quid out of this. You, if you're managing money on behalf of other people, surely there must be a legal right, uh, a legal sort of criteria with what you do with the money, is there? Um, yeah, you, you, you have a responsibility from, a, from, an, from an ethical and, and governance point of view. And, and what you would always try to do is to uh, acquire what they would refer to as a balanced portfolio, which will contain a risk, sorry, contain a, a mix of short, medium and high-risk investments where uh, you know, if you if you'd invested in Tesla a decade ago, that that would now be turning a very good return, but it come it comes at a high risk. Um, you'd also be investing in those industries which pay out every year, but are spectacularly dull. So things such right. as water companies. You know, they, everybody uses water. Uh, 
you know, they pay out relatively low returns, but still higher than you potentially get from sticking the money in a bank. So it, it's it's all it's all a case of um, having a, having a balanced approach, and no one person tends to be in charge of the of the pension fund. You'll have a series of fund managers who will be looking at domestic markets, overseas markets, utilities, different industries, and so on. Uh, and they 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 do these people do tend to work pretty crazy hours. But but in the long run, it, it's difficult to beat the market. Yeah, you know, there's lots of people who can do it on a short term basis, um, but doing it on a long term basis is uh, is is very difficult indeed. You know, Warren Buffett has has become one of the world's richest men by taking such an you know by being backing himself. But he's he's very much the the exception. Oh, is Warren Buffett's a real person as well? <laughs> Yes. Uh, unfortunately, Kieran, as my current state can attest, not everybody uses water. Um, <laughs> our next question comes from Phil Chater, and Phil says, over several pods, which is quite true, you've mentioned image rights. When these rights are talked about, it seems always to be covering the top players. My question is, how far down the league would image rights be used? Um, well, I think realistically, Phil, uh, it, it's going to be in the Premier League and perhaps some clubs in the Championship as well, because uh, who is ultimately going to be using the image rights? It's going to be commercial partners and sponsors. So if you are a League Two club, and you know, and no disrespect to to you know Rochdale and and Cambridge United and, and you know clubs in the lower leagues and Morecambe and so on, how many people are going to go to the club and say? Uh, yeah, we desperately want to use your your left back for a for a campaign. Um, you know, so if if you're Cristiano Ronaldo, you've got 300 million followers on 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 Instagram. If you are a, a you know a, 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 a pre, pre, previous academy player who's just come through for a League One or League Two club, you're not going to have sufficient gravitas or su- sufficient uh, vi- uh, you know visual. Uh, awareness from from a from a viewer's point of view to to attract a huge amount of interest. So I, I don't think that image rights would be significant, uh, if, if anything at all. There, there could be a nominal reference to them in a contract, but that's only because the chances are you're signing a a, 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 a central contract which has been issued by the club to all of its staff. Yeah, they might they might want the captain uh, to go along, but even so, you know, he, he's he, he might get a. He might get a small a small benefit from from the, the commercial partner, and that's as far as it goes. In uh, an example, yet another example of why TV drama should never try and cover football. A recent episode of Endeavour, the detective series set in the late sixties, early seventies, uh, covered a death threat against a footballer, uh, and talked a lot about image rights and his glamorous lifestyle and his agent, and the money he was earning from uh, general fashion stuff, uh, which was wrong anyway, because it was the 1960s, early 70s, but also the fact that he played for Oxford Wanderers. No. In front of, uh, and the death threat consid- <laughs> was, was to try and stop him playing in a uh, lucrative cup tie against Cowley Town in front of what looked like... <laughs> In what looked like four people. <laughs> just made, I just laughed all the way through the whole... Ali loves that programme. So she got cross. <laughs> I was laughing all the way through the two hours of this 
chap playing for Oxford Wanderers in 1970 talking <laughs> about his image rights. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, anyway. uh, yeah, that's the entirely appropriate response to that little diversion was, yeah, yeah, you're right, Kieran. Our last question on uh, it's a mercifully short pod today uh, comes from, uh, if we get too professional at any time, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, please do let us know. Uh, Adam Manning has a question now. Uh, and Adam says, I, th- I think I can predict the answer to this question. Adam says, now that Sutton United are in the Football League, what is the impact financially, open brackets, question to Kieran, close brackets, and locally, <laughs> open brackets, question to Kevin, close brackets, on the nearby existing league clubs? With Plough Lane and Sellers Park being near, near, nearby, will those clubs see a loss of fans to Gander Green Lane, or is the existence of a new local rival going to have a minimal impact on their bottom line? Well, I would, certainly from Palace's point of view, I would tick the minimal impact box to be perfectly honest it's uh, it's it's lovely to see a local club like Sutton in the football league it's probably more annoying for their fans that they get patronized by palace fans going it's lovely to see them in the football league but i can't see any minimal impact on our bottom line or indeed wimbledon's it, if anything it, there's a, an impact on sutton's bottom line in that fans of wimbledon and palace might be tempted to go along when their teams are playing away Yes, I mean, if, if we take a look at the the finances of Sutton United in their in the most recent season in the the National League, they lost two two hundred grand. Um, their crowds have gone up uh, this season in League Two, which is fantastic. They're averaging uh, over three thousand. Yeah. Um, you know that will be. I think there'll be a curiosity value. Those fans that that perhaps used to go and watch them a few times a season might watch them a few times more. But I think the other issue, and here is you know football train spotter talking, um, all of the other clubs in League Two, the fans there think new away ground. Yeah, and so so you know that, that, that there tends to be a first season bounce, and, and we saw that with uh, Gary Neville's Salford City when, when they first went up to the. Uh, to League Two, but they now have the lowest average attendances uh, in the, in that division um, because once, once you've ticked off that, that ground, you go, well, you know, do I want to go to Salford this weekend or why don't you go and stay and watch you know, Jeff Stelling instead? You know, and and that, <laughs> that, that, that's, that, that's the decision that you have to make. So, so there tends to be a, that, that first season bounce and then a tapering off. Um, so yeah, it, it's great that they're getting uh, higher crowds. They're getting more money because they're entitled to, to the EFL TV deal um, and the solidarity payments from the Premier League. But in terms of the impact on uh, AFC and Palace, uh, absolutely zero. Because also, you're, you're Palace till you die. So you, you're not going to, yeah, you know, un- un- unless unless something does happen, which is as we saw with. Uh, uh, FC United of Manchester and the Glazer yeah. takeover, uh, and you know we, we've seen from the very occasional Newcastle fan with regards to the to the the Saudi Arabian takeover, where you feel that you you that the club no no longer represents your values, then then you're, you're gonna you're gonna always support your club. You know, you, again, you're right. You say you, you might pop along and, and yeah. see them uh, because oh yeah, they're, oh they're playing they're playing such and such this week. That that sounds like quite a good game. Um, or you might go and see them in the first round of the FA Cup, or you know, and so on. But but that's as far as it goes from 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 your perspective as as a, as a fan of your club. Well, that's the thing. You're, it's one of those things where you're desperate for them to get through to the third round of the FA Cup because you want to to draw them in the same way. We're all desperate to get Burton Albion in the FA Cup because we've never played them before. And you just oh, want to go, oh no, it's, it's, a, it's a great great place to go to. Yeah, I've, we, we've been there once. 
Uh, fantastic. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't know, Kieran. We've never, we've never had an occasion to go there. It's also much further north than I thought it was. Um, it's an interesting example of how effective the pyramid is, though, because when I was growing up, uh, Sutton and Wimbledon was a very, very big rivalry. But in the Southern League, as it was, in it was you, you never dreamed that those two clubs would end up in the football league, but yet here they are. So it does it does illustrate that it's perfectly possible for a club down at that level to get into the the hallowed ninety two. Yeah, spot on. Yep. Um, thank you to everybody who's made a donation to the pod via our Patreon site. I suspect after today's Farago, we may not be getting many donations this week, but if you would like to make a small monthly contribution to the pod, then go to patreon.com forward slash price of football. And if you have a question you'd like answered on the show, then please email us at questions at price of football.com. I, before I hand over to Kieran, I shall pause only to say uh, in my brief relationship with Kieran, I've often, often wondered what it's like to be teetotal. And now I really, really wonder what it's like to be teetotal. And do you know what, Kieran? I might try it for a couple of weeks. It must be, it must be lovely. So I'll hand you over to Mr. Kieran Maguire, perfectly <laughs> headache-free for his customary farewell. Well, I, I did actually drink alcohol once. Huh? I've, I've, I've drunk it once in my life. What? Um, yeah, I'd, uh, I'd, I'd just been dumped. Or I, th- or I think I'd just been dumped by, by a girlfriend. Oh. Um, and she she sort of, yeah, she tore, torn a strip off me. You know, she sort of told me what, what, a, what a what a complete waste of space I was. I was feeling a bit sorry myself, and she, and she she'd come round with with a bottle of, of red wine, um, and she sort of got one glass into it, and, and then decided that you know she'd been building this up to, to say, right, Kieran, you're you're a waste of space, um, and so. I was I was feeling a bit upset. It's, 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 sometimes it's not nice to learn the truth. No. Um, so I thought, uh, okay, I'm, I'm going to give it a go. You know, and I'm I'm in my you know, mid twenties at this stage, uh, and uh, so I take a sip and I go, Jesus Christ, this tastes foul. How no. on earth can anybody drink it? So I I had a I had a bottle of Orangina. Um, with, with yeah, that's how, I was, that's, that's, that's how I used to drink in those days. I used, uh, so I thought, right, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give it a go, and uh, and I mixed the red wine with Orangina and managed to get through most of the red, rest of the bottle. I go, yeah, I said, this really isn't doing it for me, um, and and I felt terrible. I felt absolutely terrible, and uh, then then I woke up. Many hours later, with this absolutely banging head o- headache, oh, God, this, this is this is a nightmare. This is this is this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. Uh, and I, some, some, I don't know how I got into the bed, but I got managed to get into the bed, pulled back the bedspread, and and my lower regions had turned bright orange. And I'm what going, the- Jesus Christ! It, it's, it's the effect of the red wine and the orangina uh, on me. And I go, this, this is this is this is a nightmare. Um, and and then I spotted that lying by the side of the bed was a copy of Razzle and a bag of cheesy Watsits, which <laughs> which which clearly clearly had uh, had been combined in in, in, in my self pity earlier in the, in the previous evening, and that's it. I've not I've not not been near it since. 
well, I don't blame you, Kieran, if that was your first experience. I mean, I've, I've had to force myself to drink cheap red wine on occasions, but that's, I'm still trying to work out how the cheesy watsits and the razzle combine to turn you into an oompa loompa. But there you are. But uh, having said that, I've now written down red wine, uh, orangina, question mark, because that's kind of homemade sangria. <laughs> oh, is that's it? A, okay. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. Yes. <laughs> but, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's in alcohol's favour, uh, Kieran, it did take your mind off the fact that you had been dumped the night before, clearly. <laughs> yes, that's it, it, yes. <laughs> Yeah, and also, it, in my defence, Kieran, I, technically I've only drunk once in my life, but it just over... 45 years. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you for listening, everybody. Uh, we'll, see you, we'll see you next week when uh, we'll both be back on the professional uh, <laughs> sober as anything. Like I and that's so hungover, I couldn't even think of the right analogy for being sober next time, Kieran. There you are. <laughs> and uh, following all this, if you would like to vote for us in ah, the yes, Football Supporters Association Awards, we are up for best online media. We don't know what it means either, but if you vote for us, we could find out if they if you give us the award. We, we can go. We can go up. We can go up on the stage and say, hey, "Would you would you mind telling us what we've just won and how it sounds?" <laughs> well, we've we've been invited. That's a good sign. We have. Yes, we have. It just yes. it's just a question of finding out. It's when you turn up at these things and your table is next to the toilet. You think, "Oh, I've not won this, have I?" <laughs> <laughs> As when I was when I was nominated for a BAFTA. Uh, for best writer, and I lost to uh, Sound of Music. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, lost to the Sound of Music stage production that was on once. Uh, yeah, so at least I lost to something decent, but I wasn't happy. Yeah, I was well, actually I was happy because it was the day we beat Watford in the semi final of the FA Cup. So I turned up happy, and <laughs> I turned. I uh, well, let's just say, Kieran, that the day after I felt even worse than I feel at the moment. Let's just, <laughs> let's just leave it there. Bye, everybody. Bye. <laughs>